0: Hey folks, welcome to another interview-only episode of the MLF Bass Fishing Podcast. Um, This one is with Jack Daniel Williams, a recent winner from the Toyota Series Central Division event at Dale Hollow. Huge field, huge payout, Uh, big live scope derby. We go pretty deep on a lot of the technique kind of stuff. And of course, we talk about Jack Daniel. It uh, is not very old. Just picked up a really gigantic win. Um, Kyle and I may get on the horn later this week. We may have sort of a full episode. We may not. We will definitely try to get something up before the Pro Circuit event down at Pickwick. Um, that being said, I guess uh, enjoy uh, Jack Daniel. Alrighty, and now we are joined by our Toyota Series at Dale Hollow champion, uh, Jack Daniel Williams. Um, caught 64 pounds over three days. I would say caught pretty much every single one of them on live scope, but we'll find out. Uh, dude, congratulations on a big win.
1: I appreciate you. Appreciate everybody. Everybody, really. I appreciate all the good comments and everything like that. Thank you.
0: I mean, it was a really cool tournament. Like, everybody in the top five had over 60 pounds like you you couldn't really slack off to win that and you know no. you never did you 64 is huge for three days yep
1: yes sir no that was it's a amazing fishery there's more four and a half pounders in there than i've ever seen
0: all righty let's uh i guess maybe let's first like talk a little bit about you because we talked a second ago but you're 22 um Which is, you know, not old, Uh, and like there was a lot of really young guys in that top ten. But this was, you know, it was the tenth event that you fished with MLF. I guess you know you've made one top ten before, and it was this one. Like, how did you? Not not that you've done bad. Like you've had you've got some you know checks and BFLs, but like uh, I guess. How, how did you get your start in tournament fishing? Did you just grow up around the house, like knowing you were going to bass fish all the time, or did you oh. pick it up a little later?
1: No, I ever since I can remember, my dad's had me. I think it, when I was in diapers, he had me in the boat fishing little pot tournaments, little rodeo stuff like that around the house. I knew, I, I knew from a very young age that that's all I ever wanted to do. I mean, I remember watching Ike and and all those guys growing up thinking that's what watching them on tv and that's what i want to do that's all i've ever been able to think about all through school and everything like that i just i knew i wanted to bass fish and that was it
0: okay and then what did you do you so high school obviously and you went to some college right
1: yes sir i went to a community college here in east tennessee for two years and while i was doing that i was uh save them money when I'd win little pot tournaments or rodeos and local stuff and I would flip houses with my uncle I'd just try to save everything that I that I made and then uh, I got on with a uh, baker's construction out here at a lake that we were doing I was driving a big barge around like a 60 70 foot barge they had the lake dropped where the dam had messed up and a bunch of trees and growth have grown up on the banks and we had to go around and one boat cut the brush off while the other boat I was driving was picking it up with the operator on it. So I did that for about a year last year. And while I was doing that, I mean, I made sure that I would go fishing like every day after work. We were working like 612s, 712s, but I would go every day after work and learn live scope for about a year and a half, I would say prior. I'd fish little pot tournaments, everything like that, but I would save every dime that I made knowing that I was wanting to fish the Toyota, because I'd fish, like you said, local BFLs, stuff like that. Done pretty decent, but never really had it like, I never got that good luck. Like, I just needed a little bit extra help in those tournaments. But all the pot tournaments and stuff like that, I did pretty well in. But after I saved all that money, I knew I wanted just to go learn, so I cherry-picked a, a southern Toyota this year, Okeechobee.
0: Yep.
1: Learned more than I learned in 15 years that I've been fishing in one trip, like two weeks I went and spent down there and I learned so much just from fishing that one time down there. Then I fished. Well, I knew I was going to fish all the central. So fish gunners will had some awful luck with tires and trailer tires and truck tires. We won't get into all that. But then I had Dale hollow. So and this is what I mean. Dale hollow worked out. It was an amazing tournament. <laughs> it worked out good. I'm telling you.
0: Um, I, uh, I guess uh, maybe even taking a step back again, like when you were when you were in college, did you ever think about doing the college fishing thing or going to a four year school to do college fishing? Because if you want to fish as a pro, like a lot of people sort of take that route. But did you yeah. think about that, or did you did you just kind of say I'm gonna get into bigger tournaments as fast as I can? You know.
1: Yeah. So. I wanted to get, I wanted to get in, one of the reasons I picked MLF is so you could work your way up. You understand what, like, you can start at the amateur. And yeah, then go like, to you the can fish a, pro circuit. yeah, yes. you can,
0: there's not like, Which, you know, with Bassmaster, not, not anything against it necessarily, but, like, there's not a BFL level, you know?
1: Yes, sir. exactly. So, I figured, I think everyone needs to start out as their local pot tournaments, stuff like that, and then work their way up. I feel like you learn a lot more instead of just getting thrown into it, because then it gets really overwhelming. Like, when I try, I fished in an open when I was, this is when I met Bobby Lane and Jacob Prosnick. I fished in an open when I was probably 18 or 19, I think, something like that, but okay. it was, like, overwhelming, whatever that, I mean, it was, you know how that could be. You're fishing against top guys. When you're just trying to make it, that's yep. hard to do. So if you can go not spend that much money, even just go practice these places before you try to start throwing all your money into it. So that's what I've been doing beforehand is I would go practice. I would go to these lakes. I would watch TV, you know, all these things. But, yeah, college I did think about. I just didn't. I mean, Not that I didn't have the money because we didn't have any, like, close colleges where I was. Mm -hmm. that had started anything like that when I was in school. Like, my high school started three years after I got out of high school. My colleges started after I was already done with my two years. So it was kind of, you know, a day late, dollar short, whatever. So I just kind of, I saved all my money, and I knew what I wanted to do, and I just got in these Toyotas and was going to try it and try not to get overwhelmed with everything.
0: It definitely, I mean... Obviously, it's working out now after Dale Hollow. Like before, before Dale, you know, were you had you had any second thoughts, or had those two those couple few tournaments you'd fished, Like, had they kind of solidified, like that so this was what you my, wanted to do?
1: Uh, I not that I ever had any second thoughts. It's just my support system. I really, I don't even know how to. I can't even explain how good like everyone around me has always believed in me and they really just pushed me to go to the next level. So yeah, I mean after Okeechobee and after Gunnersville, I was really down and not that i not that I ever quit fishing. Or I ever wanted to quit. It's just, it's a really humbling sport. And I just, they hollow really made me set that example of you cannot, you never give up. You can't quit. If you just keep fighting, something good will happen. I mean, good good things happen to good people that's what i think i mean that's all you can explain i
0: like it um i guess let's talk dale like i don't i wasn't there but i read all the coverage i know like you know a lot of the guys were not fishing far apart necessarily and you were all kind of just chasing as far as i can tell you know chasing bass around bait can you kind of walk me through your your pattern
1: So I'll start the house practice. You can start with practice. That'd be a sure. good one. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> I'll start. Uh, so last year I went down and crappy fished. I said crappy. I know I heard you say crappie, but I, I here's the
0: thing. I say crappy. I just like that's okay. what I grew up saying. But yes. I have heard <laughs> enough people say crappie that a lot of times, especially someone from the south, I just lead with crappie because I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't want to have no, that discussion I, right away. So.
1: Exactly. crappy it is baby <laughs> that's what i'm talking about okay so yeah i fished a usa crappy tournament i'm thinking it was the sunday after your all's because championship saturday and i came down saturday in practice and then fished sunday anyway this was
0: the one that was real flooded right
1: yes it was flooded okay. it was muddy they were flipping spinner bait and whatever i mean they were doing all that so i went down there and this is when I had my live scope for about four or five months, which I was getting pretty dialed in with it for the crappy And haven't bass fished much with it, but I had caught some just out of coincidence. I've seen them on there, and I'm like, okay, that's a bass, because they move a little different, whatever. So I got out there to Del Hollow, and I actually pulled up We pulled up on an area, and I'd caught like a 6, a 5, a 4, a 5. I had like 20, 23, 24 pounds live scoping the sunday after the saturday after so i was thinking my goodness and i did really never never clicked even then it didn't really click i was like okay anyways we went on with it came back home and then i signed up for the centrals and i was like okay Del hollow maybe then it started clicking a little bit maybe there this water's clear it's gonna be even better so i came in practice i had my jigs and thinner baits and all that but it hasn't flooded or anything like that so i put in i put in up the lake the first day i practice. put my trolling motor down seen some bait cast it over seen a bass cast it over caught like a four and a half pounder i immediately put every single rod that i had up except for my four spinning rods they hadn't Two of the same heads and two on this other rods that had the same heads, like a quarter and a three-eighths. And I literally live-scoped from then on out. I knew what I was going to do. I just kept running around looking for bait, looking for steep drops where they would spawn in the back of these pockets. And, I mean, I was catching them during practice. I'd just catch one bass. I'd catch a – I would catch fish until I caught a keeper largemouth just to know that they were in there. Because you're catching so many smallmouths, none of them help, really. Unless you just get yeah. lucky and catch a 21-incher. Because I was catching 19, 20 inches and having to throw them back. So I would stay until I'd catch a largemouth. Just to know in my head that there is largemouth here. You know what I mean? It kind of helps. Yep. Because otherwise you'll be chasing smallmouth that you can't weigh in. Four-pound smallmouth, and it's awful. You have to throw those back.
0: Dude, this is a side note maybe, but what would the weights have been like if you guys could keep smallmouth?
1: Oh, my goodness. Incredible.
0: Like we're just I talking. Be, like everyone has twenty-one 20 pounds. Like, yeah, man, 20 that'd pounds be amazing. Top Thirty or forty. Golly, not like it it's bit. you know not like it's uh you know a bad lake as is or anything, but like no no no, it's yeah. just it's uh, brutal to know that there's so many fish you got to let go. You know. <laughs> yes, sir. Um. A- anyhow, I guess. I mean, that aside, like th- these areas you were fishing, how how deep how deep were they? Like, what what kind of like what what did you kind of look for on, just on the map to know hey this is this is where there's gonna be fish or did you have to realistically look on the map and then still go through and live scope and fish everything? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So I looked. I would look on the map at night, but these fish are like they're so bait related they'll be there and then they'll be gone the next day maybe not gone like out of the place you're fishing but they're three or four hundred yards away or five or six hundred yards away so you had to continue every day to find them that's like what i told in my interview at mlf i never fished the same thing twice except for one spot and that's it like i never i never put into it to the same spot and said okay i'm gonna catch them here because they're probably gone i mean the next day i showed up they're gone because the bait's gone they're not relating you know what i mean they're relating to these steep points and steep drops but they're more related to that bait than anything okay would
0: you to find the bait would you idle and side scan it and be like all right well, there's
1: a big cloud yep. uh, or would In you practice, idle and... okay After I got my pattern set up, I would just idle, idle around and put a waypoint in and have a general area. And then
0: in practice, would you look at that, like would you drop your trolling motor and fish that sometimes? Or would you sometimes just drop a waypoint in and be like, a lot of shad over here, we'll keep it moving, you know?
1: Well, so after I would idle, I would drop my trolling motor and find out if they were bass or not. I would want to make sure they were bass I was fishing for. Not like sense. gar or stuff or something like that. Um, yeah,
0: or smallmouth.
1: <laughs> yeah, smallmouth. Cool.
0: Um th- that last day, if I if I remember correctly, like you really didn't have anything special going in the morning. And it all kinda happened, like in the
1: Yes, you know, so later I had on. the camera I had the camera with me for a while, a few boats. My second cast I caught a four pounder, which they hadn't made it there yet. In my area, just the, something wasn't happening yet. Like I knew they were in there because the day before I had absolutely blistered four and a half pounders. Like it, it was incredible. But they just hadn't happened. So the second cast I had, I was like, okay, here we go. It's about to start again. I could see them down there. They just weren't, they weren't firing. They weren't eating. I don't, I don't know. I think it was more wind related. Something happened. But the best thing I did was leave. And I went and got me so I had one four pounder. I went and got three more fish and I had fourteen ninety nine in four. So I was coming back up the lake or back down the lake and there was a red bud on the bank, which is a backstory of that. My dad likes fishing red buds back home, which is pretty funny. But somehow I I seen the red bud out of the corner of my eye and I literally just was going sixty mile an hour, I stopped the boat, turned around, I just put my troll motor down. I seen one out in there. I caught a two-and-a-half-pounder, so I had 17 and 5 pounds and two. And I was like, okay, my head's right, because you got five. That's the biggest thing doing this is you got to have five to give yourself a chance. So I had five fish, and the wind started blowing really bad. I pulled my trolling motor up immediately, and I told my trolling, I said, we're about to leave. We're about to go back to the to the other spot where I caught that big one this morning. I pulled in there. Put the trolling motor down. They're still there, and they are fired up, dude. I was like, here we go. So I made my first cast. I caught like a 470. Made my second cast. Caught a 430. Made my third cast. Caught a 420. And I was just 4-pounder, 4-pounder, 4-pounder. And it happened right there in that afternoon. And after that last fish, that last bigger one that I caught, I I hugged my calling. I was like, we got over 21 again. If we get beat with almost 22 pounds, and so be it. They did good. Hats off to them. Yeah, you've uh, you crushed it.
0: Um oh. how so you've had LiveScope for I guess what, 2 years and change now?
1: Almost, yeah, almost.
0: almost. So how uh how did you have it set up? How are you running it there for whether we're talking distance, depth, gain, like I'm I'm interested in all of it cuz I yeah. like I'm not the guy I like I love LiveScope I catch so I live in Vermont. I catch so many smallmouth on live scope. Like it's changed my life, you know. <laughs> so, so I'm all ears.
1: <laughs> so I would see them out in there and then I would ease up on them. I'd turn it down to like 40, 50. And I'd pitch it to them. And it seemed like they wouldn't eat it on the first pitch. Maybe the second pitch, third pitch, you could get them to eat it, but it's really just trying to find the ones that were active in that bait was the main thing. Was the main reason, like, just trying to find the ones that were wanting to eat. Not tried to spend as much time on the ones that weren't.
0: So you were actually fishing for fish, like, quite close to the boat, you know? Yes, sir. Like, you were not, you weren't scoping them out at, like, 110 feet and making a long cast almost ever, right?
1: Uh, I made a, I can't say that I wasn't, because I do, I keep my live scope out at 120, but then I'll ease up on them. And I'll turn it down just to size them up. Like, I like to size them up. I want to know that I'm fishing for a four-pounder. I don't want to fish for a three-pounder, or nothing like that.
0: And you feel like you turn your range down, you
1: can tell you? Yeah, it's almost impossible to find out how how big they are if you're out in there 120 feet. Now, it's good to find them that way. But once you find them, you kind of want to, you have to turn your thing down, your live scope down to find out what size they are.
0: Okay. I feel like that might be a thing that really helps with that you really would learn well from crappy fishing because, like, I, those guys target, like, specific size fish a lot, you know?
1: Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, like, all these crappy tournaments that I've fished, I don't fish for a crappy unless it's a pound and a half. I mean, nowadays you're not going to win any crappy tournament unless you have close to 14 pounds and seven. So you have to have almost two pounders, every one of them. That's like in this big, this big crappy It's like a big bass. You've heard of Oakley Big Bass or mm-hmm. Bass Pro or whatever they do. That's what we had on Watch Bar this weekend. And I think it took almost a two-pounder every hour. And I probably didn't fish two or three hours of the day. I was just looking, looking, trying to see which ones were the biggest.
0: Wow. Um. Oh. So for the For your live scope uh do you run it um I'm trying to think like, is there anything you do special or that you like to do with whether it's your transducer or your color palette or anything that you feel like you really enjoyed that for that for that event?
1: mm, I keep it on orange crawfish that's my favorite. I think my eyes got used to it the best. I used okay. to use blue a lot, but Orange crawfish has just got something about it. It gives you nut. it gives you a return when it's a good fish. I don't know how to explain it, but it gives you a bright return when it's a bigger fish. Other those other colors that I've used, they're bright on some of the smaller fish too. So it's kinda hard to I don't know, it's probably just personal preference, but orange crawfish just has my eyes. I've got dialed in with it a little bit better.
0: Okay. It makes, I mean, it makes sense. And that, like, you would get, that you would, once you get used to something, there's no reason to, like, if it's it's not, if it's working, there's no reason to go out and, like, make wholesale changes, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting about this tournament was, one, if you look at the top 10 baits gallery, the theme is that it's not just, like, little swim baits and stuff. Everybody is using baits with eyes. Do you think that makes a difference? Like you're using a jig head with big eyes, second place is using a jig head with big eyes, third place jig head yeah. with big eyes, fourth place jig head with big eyes. Like is that Is that just cuz that was the right jig head or do you are you an eye believer? What's What I, do you think uh, about that?
1: <laughs> so This came back like when they fish Cherokee, remember when Bass fish Cherokee? They, yeah, yeah. When Mickey come all. When Wheeler, Wheeler, won, I think right? Jacob Wheeler one. Yep. Yes, sir. Yep. Um. So in these high reservoirs, we have an LY, and they do have big eyes. So I think yes, I think definitely. I think it's more natural. I don't know. I know it looks unnatural, but I think I think those LY are they're really keyed on in on them. So I think the big eyes help, and I think Del Hollow has a bunch of wife. I've seen a bunch on the screen, but mm-hmm. like back home, South Holston, that's the majority of what they eat, too, in Watauga. So, yeah, I think I don't throw unless – if I'm on a high reservoir that has a bunch of wife, I'm throwing big eyes. But like Threadfin and Cherokee, I don't think they do. It makes so much difference because they majority Threadfin. But anytime you're down there deep like that, I think the eyes help. I don't have any idea why. It's just, I've thrown stuff with no eyes. and Used to, you could get bit on it, but nowadays it's just, I think there's so much more pressure.
0: All right. And then what, like, uh, maybe you said down deep, but what depth are you usually catching these fish at? Back home or on Del Hollow? Well, I guess both. You know, back home and then for this
1: tournament. <laughs> back home, we catch them anywhere from i mean i've caught smallmouth out of 100 foot so um anywhere from there to 20 foot and then dell hollow i caught them mostly 12 to 25 okay the first 12 is pretty shallow. Pack, that's
0: impressive yeah 12 was shallow
1: when they were All up right. there on top
0: what what uh how heavy of weight of a jig head were you using was it were you going lighter for shallower or same weight yes, across the
1: board? Quarter quarter majority of the time. And then a 3.8 if they were a little deeper, twenty five, something like that. I used it to right. I'd switch. I'd make sure I had a rod sitting next to me. Cool. Just reel it in.
0: And then you threw the little jerk minnow, the power bait, the champ one, that Jordan Lee that sort of Jordan yeah. Lee bait, I think it is. Why why did yep. you why did you end up Because, there? like there's a lot of other, I mean, there's a lot of Kytex got thrown. There's like a lot of other little swim-baity options, but you went, you know, minnow style.
1: Yeah, it was just more of a confidence thing. I catch a lot back home on it. I think it's got a little slimmer slimmer profile, and uh, the bait they're eating is really slim. So it was more of a confidence thing. Like I've caught a bunch of alewife and like cast nets and stuff like that just to look at them back home, and I make sure I just look at them and that's the closest thing to an alewife that I've found. Oh, I mean the the Mickey catches them too, but and I threw the minke a little bit, but I majority of the time I had that champ minnow on. Cool, that's co- I mean it's cool
0: to see like that. It, it's cool to see a little bit of a different bait catch them. You know mm-hmm. there've been. A thousand galleries with, uh, you know, Kitex in it. So like, I'm down oh, yeah. to you know, I'm down to see you know, new stuff, uh, exactly. for sure. Um, that's that's cool. It's nice. It's yeah. neat. And they Not look
1: the, so realistic.
0: Yeah, they do. They have the little scale patterns and everything.
1: Yeah. So the HD silver shabs, what I caught majority of them on, and they look, I mean, exactly like a little shad. So. Now, do you worry about that they've got four eyes
0: with that pattern? No,
1: you know that—that's a question I get a lot. It doesn't really. It never really bothers me. I don't know why. It just it doesn't. I don't think about. Like growing up, like last three years, I've crappy fish. I mean, this live scope and all these colors people say matters. I literally, I got a big bag of crappy jigs, and I never even look at what color they are. I just, i grab one out of there and tie it on. Now, if I'm starting to catch a bunch and there's a big school I'm fishing or something, yeah, they'll get used to it. So just pick up another rod and change different colors. It's never like, oh, they're eating this color. Oh, they're eating this color. I think it's just changing. Like, I try not okay. to think about little stuff like that. That's what, because once I start thinking too much like that, it just gets all in their head and, that's like jig, like when I, I grew up flipping jigs and stuff. I just, green pumpkin, orange, and black and blue, and white, and that's it. That's the only three jigs I have in my boat.
0: There we go. All right, maybe this is probably my last, like, real nitty-gritty Dale question. But, like, when you would, would you find that the fish were, like, boat sensitive to where, especially in, like, let's say less than 20 feet of water, you know, would they come oh, yeah. in and then get spooked? Uh, and you'd have, and you could only catch them like when they were feeding, or did they not care so much?
1: Nope. So uh, if they heard your boat, they were gone. Like if they heard the, if they heard the boat smacking the waves, smacking the bottom of your boat, which I learned that in crappy fishing too. If they learn, if they hear your boat, they're gone. They know, especially really? that clear water we were fishing. Yeah. So like. Down south, you'll see all these guys that are catching these crappie real close to the boat, at okay, that's because they're in that muddy water. So they don't pay attention to it as much. But this clear water, they feel your boat. Like, back home, I don't know how many times we'll idle over a big hump or something, and they'll come shooting up off the bottom to look at the boat, 60, 70 foot of water. But if you get too close to them, they see the boat or they feel it. I mean, yeah, I think we're in their living room. So Mm -hmm. they know when something's over top of them and it's not supposed to be there.
0: What's the strategy for minimizing that? Is it like you fish with the wind, keep your trolling motor kind of low? Like what's your, do do you have ways to try to get around that?
1: Yeah, I try not to let the wind hit my boat as much. I don't know exactly how to explain it. I just try to drift a little bit. There's just little certain things. Sometimes, you, most of the time, you can't help it. Like it's going to happen, mm-hmm. but you just got to move on and hope it wasn't a five or six pounder. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because that wind was brutal. Which I think a wind helps when they're out in there. They're they're feeding in that wind, but it's just it's there. I try to keep them down. I try not to fish for the ones that are high like that in the wind. It's hard. As they, they feel the boat and they hear it and everything else and they're spooked once they are.
0: Alright. Makes sense. Um yep. so Dale Hollow had a gigantic field. I mean, zillion yep. boats in it. Uh over seventy thousand dollar payday. Um mm-hmm. how's that gonna change things for you? Like that is a ton of money. You can fish for a, I mean, honestly, a pretty good chunk of time now. I know fishing's expensive, but, like, you can oh, bankroll yeah. a lot of tournaments with that if you want to. What's, uh, Center. what's the plan going forward?
1: Mm, I'm just gonna, I gotta keep learning. That's it. I wanna, I'm gonna fish as much as I can. I'm gonna go up north and fish these next few Toyotas, and I'm gonna, I can't wait to go back down south. I'm real excited for that. I just wanna I want to expand on what I'm learning and Okay. I don't want to quit. That's
0: what do you think that we'll you're spend it all sort of on fishing? Oh, go ahead.
1: I said, we'll spend it all on fishing. <laughs>
0: nice. <laughs> what do you think that your other, uh, like your weaknesses are, you know, where do you feel like you most need to learn?
1: Mm, so I originally grew up, I'm a shallow water guy. In these last two years, I've really focused on deep water. Mm-hmm. Like we have Douglas Lake, which I've always ledge fished, so I have a I have experience in shallow and deep. But this live scopes change things. More that I need to, that I would like to practice on is down south, and up north. I just wanna I just wanna keep learning. I mean, I feel like I, I can fish shallow if I have to, and I mean my favorite thing is seven six flipping stick. So. It's hard to see on Dale Hollow, but it is. There's something about cracking them with a big flipping stick on the dock or something.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. Like I, yeah. I mean, it's great to watch a fish bite it on Livescope, but it's not the, it's not quite no. the same. But yeah, as, yeah, what you
1: gotta do. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I would say if you're this good at live scope, you're not gonna have any problem when you go north because you gotta catch smallmouth, and smallmouth are like the easiest fish in the world to catch on live scope up north. Mm-hmm it's going to be on a lot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other, other than up.
0: spots probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm but yeah, excited. it That's seems, a... what, what do you think you're going to fish? Obviously this year, you know, you've got, I guess probably the rest of the central division or are you going to fish some Northern events? Uh, and then you yeah, the wanna championship. Fish, uh,
1: I'm going to fish the Chickamauga, uh, for sure. The last central. And then, uh, I'm gonna get in on a a couple of the Northerns, St. Lawrence, and uh, I'm just gonna go mess around up north. Uh, I need to. I'm really excited about that. I want to get in on some of that.
0: I like uh, I like how you're taking it because, like, you know, you've you've got a. it, It doesn't seem like you're super worried about points, like you're not super worried about, Hey, this is the year I got to qualify for anything. Like you're kind of no. just,
1: yeah. you're,
0: I'm just you're trying to build a
1: base. That's it. Cause I know, if, I mean, if you just fish good around your house, you, you can't really make it. You gotta be able to, you gotta fish, which I haven't fished now Hollow much, but kind of my areas around my house really helped me. But if you can't fish North and South, you're not going to make it in this world, so I'm just ready to expand and keep learning, and that's it. All right.
0: I guess maybe the last question, what's your uh, Gunnersville experience like? Because the championship is like a huge event, and it can't be far away from you.
1: <laughs> no, it's... Uh...
0: A couple hours down the road, maybe? The... Maybe max?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just a couple hours. I have family that lives Forty-five minutes away. So I've fished Gunnersville quite a bit. Um, it's been—we have a little pot tournament that goes down there every year, and Gunnersville has been really good to me in the spring. I've fished it a little bit in the fall and winter, but not near as much as the spring. But I fished it enough to try to get a game plan going. So I'm gonna try to—I'm gonna try to live down there for a few months, maybe a few weeks at least.
0: I like it. Go after like it. Cool. Well, man, I guess my, maybe the last thing, and this is more you, but is there anybody else you want to thank any uh, social media you want people to follow you on anything like that? I'm all ears.
1: Yeah, I would love uh, my social media. I'll start there. I got YouTube channel. I got my Facebook and Instagram. It's Jack Daniel fishing on all of them. Um, I got to thank my little sister because somehow I keep forgetting about my little sister. I need you to make sure you put this in here. If you can,
0: I can put it in twice. If you want, I okay. can like edit That's, it in yeah. and be like, I need to thank my little sister. And then again, I need to thank my little Molly, sister.
1: Her name is Molly Williams, M O L L Y. So I need to thank her. Cause she's going to kill me if I don't, cause I have been, this is the first experience I've had. And I just get brain locked whenever, whenever I do all this, but yeah, I want to thank her and I'll tell her how much I love her and, She's always supported me. But my parents, of course, my mom and dad, I thank my dad for putting me. He brought me in to all this. He he showed me the love for the sport. They do so much for me. I can't even begin to thank them enough. Um, my girlfriend, her family, they do so much for me. Um, I got Jack, Satan, Tackle, DJ's Marine, Watson's Marine, and that's about it, dude. I just, I thank everybody that I come into contact with, there's so many names I could name. I just, Brian Hess, dude, there's so many people that helped me. And I just, yeah. I just can't thank them enough.
0: It takes a real, I mean, it takes a real team to be successful at tournament fishing, like
1: almost all oh, the yeah. time. And so, I mean, more, more supporting you when you, the people who support you when you don't do good are the ones, the ones you need to keep around because they'll never give up on you and that's one thing i've learned
0: nice well uh man it was a pleasure talking with you um congratulations on winning uh, special shout out to molly williams uh, for right. all your hard work <laughs> and uh <laughs> man uh i guess uh, i'll see you at Gunnersville this fall for sure but uh congrats oh, yeah. on a big win that was awesome
1: i appreciate everything buddy and you have my number now so anytime